News Talk 580 CFRA presents the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Alex Luchafero. And we are back at it here for another Saturday afternoon. It's a beauty outside, but still employment problems linger. And if that's you, feel free to uh, to get a hold of us here. Alex Luchaferro is in the hot seat today, but that's not a big deal. He answers all your questions every week, so he would love to talk to you uh, again for sure. 613-521-TALK. Again, 613-521-TALK. This is a live show, of course, so bring your calls on, and we will talk to you. You'll want to email any time during the show or afterwards, for that matter, help at employment hours. Com. Lots of stuff to get through today. In fact, the times you need an employment lawyer, we'll highlight some of those and go through that list, some of your emails if we have time. And uh, to get us uh, warmed up here, Alex, as always, the week that was, what do you got going on, pal? Hey, Johnny, thanks very much. Great to be yeah, here. Great to be back uh, live on the air in Ottawa talking employment law, talking workplace rights, severance, layoffs, harassment in the workplace, you name it. If it has to do with work, uh, John, if it has to do with employment, we cover it here on, on this very show. Uh, as you said, John, this is a call-in show, so we're here to take your calls, answer any questions you have about uh, about employment law. Please feel free to call in. Don't be shy. Don't be bashful. There are no silly questions. There are no bad questions. We want to hear from you. And uh, listen, we're here to help. We're here to help in any way we can, so, so feel free to reach out. Uh, it's been a busy couple of weeks, uh, John. Typically... Uh, or at least historically in, in employment law, things used to slow down over the summer. It's not the case anymore. People, unfortunately, are, are still having trouble uh, at work. They're still getting let go, whether it's myself, Lior, uh, my colleagues in the Ottawa office. Uh, we field questions every single day from people looking for help with their workplace problems. It's not just people who are being let go, John. It's it's people that call call us talking about their workplace situations they don't know what to do with a bad boss. They don't know what to yeah. do because their employer has offered them a new contract or they're changing their terms of employment. Uh, and so they want to know what their options are. They want to know what their rights are. And that's fantastic, John. I mean, that's that's the whole purpose of this show, why Lior created, created it, the job you guys have been doing all of these years. People now know that they have more power in employment, in their workplace, than they originally thought they did. And that's amazing. And so people reach out to us asking all of those questions, whether it's by email, uh, you know, calling us, snail mail, you name it, however they need to contact us or get a hold of us. The important thing is if our listeners out there are having a hard time at work, if you're confused about your rights, if you have questions about the way you're being treated, you absolutely need to get advice in that kind of situation. The more knowledge and information you have as an employee, the more protected and prepared you're going to be. Uh, to deal with any workplace issues. The same thing goes for employers as well. Knowledge is is power in any facet of life, John. Knowledge is power, but especially in employment law in the workplace, knowledge is power. So whether you're an employee or an employer, you absolutely need to reach out to us if you're dealing with a difficult situation. Uh, a couple of examples uh, of situations that we've dealt with this past week. These are situations that I've personally dealt with this past week. Little segment we call the week that was. I think it's going to provide a couple of, of interesting examples of uh, uh, of uh, lessons that our listeners can learn when dealing with workplace problems. So right. the, fir- the first matter, John, uh, involves a gentleman that called me. And right off the bat, it was very, very clear that his employer didn't want him in the job anymore, that he didn't mm-hmm. want him there. He wanted him to leave, to resign, and, and actually to retire. Not to resign, but to retire, rather. And how do we know that? Well, we know that because for a period of months, and this is, I would say, at least two months, if not three, his employer was repeatedly talking to him and asking him questions about retirement. So he was asking him, you know, originally it was, have you considered retirement? Have you looked into it yet? Don't you want to spend more time with your family? 
And and that was kind of an initial red flag for this employee. And then it even it even moved on to the employer leaving articles and documentation on this guy's desk about why it made sense financially to retire at a certain age, what the advantages were, various program government programs that were in place for retirees. And this gentleman was 65 years old, but he had absolutely no intention of retiring. He didn't want to retire. Hmm. And that was the response he gave to his employer. No, sorry, I'm not interested at this point in time. I just want to keep working. Right. Um, but that didn't stop the employer. Literally every other week or every couple of weeks, there was some sort of incident. He would find something on his desk, an email, a comment about retirement. And this guy got fed up. Understandably so, he got fed up. He was upset about, uh, about what was happening. He didn't have any interest in leaving. And so he called me. And well, it actually started with an email, but we eventually spoke on the phone and he wanted to know, what does this all mean? Do I have to take this? Should I just accept the fact that, you know, at my age, I'm going to get these kinds of questions? That's literally what he said to me. And what I told him is this. I said, uh, you know, absolutely not. That's not appropriate behavior for the workplace. It's not appropriate for an employer, John, to keep pushing you and trying to convince an employee to retire. And not only is it inappropriate, it can actually be a human rights issue. If an employer doesn't want you to keep working because of your age, well, surprise, surprise, that's discrimination. That's discrimination on the basis of age. It's illegal. It's a human rights violation. So, you know, not only are you are you being subject to this difficult treatment to, you know, this this basically you can almost call it bullying. You're potentially being discriminated against because of your age. So I told him this. I told him you have an option. You can probably walk away, or at least one of your options is you could walk away right now, claim constructive dismissal because of the mm-hmm. way you've been treated, uh, walk away and obtain and receive your, your severance package, whatever you would be owed as severance. Uh, he doesn't have to go down that road, but that's certainly an option that he had and a viable one at that. Um, so I think he, th- he thought about it for a day, if I remember correctly. I think he spoke with his wife about it. He decided he wanted to go down that route. So uh, we're going to be helping him right now get the severance that he's actually owed. And the reason why I wanted to mention this scenario is because there's an important lesson here. Again, whether you're an employee or an employer, you can't be pushed or you can't push an employee into retirement like that. You can't right. be told that you're leaving because of your age. It's completely inappropriate for an employer to suggest that. Um, you, you know, it's one thing for an employer to ask, you know, uh, ask an employee who's been with the company for a very long time or let's say, uh, you know, close to re- uh, retirement age. It's one thing to ask, what are your long term plans? Yeah. Do you have any potential plans of maybe retiring one day and kind of, you know, at- posing the question in the future somewhere? Uh, you know, that's probably completely appropriate. But but once you answer that question as an employee, the employer can't p- keep pushing or try to convince you. Uh, to retire, it's not only is it a human rights violation potentially, mm-hmm. it's probably harassment as well in, in, in the workplace. So we're going to be working with this with this gentleman. I'm going to get him the compensation uh, that he that he that he's owed. And really, you know, at the end of the day, this this employee deserved better. He had been with the company for a long time. After all those years that he put in with the company, he des- he deserved better than being pushed towards a retirement that he didn't actually want. So hopefully. It, but, you know, by taking those actions, he'll have some closure and he'll get the uh, the compensation that he's owed and eventually move on. It's a good start. We're going to uh, take our first break. Randy, I see you hanging on the line there. Just hang on another minute longer. We will get to you after we uh, we come back from that short break. For you as well, lots of time to call in, ask your questions. This is why Alex is here this weekend and every weekend. 613-521-TALK. We continue just getting warmed up here. It's the Employment Hour on News Talk 580 CFRA. 
Now back to the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Alex Luchafero on News Talk 580 CFRA. Yeah, we're back indeed right here till uh, just before 6 o'clock. Your calls, your questions for Alex, no problem. 613-521-TALK and help at employmenthour.com. We'll uh, get right over to Randy here who's been uh, been waiting on the line patiently. Randy, good afternoon. Thanks for hanging on, fella. How are you? Thank good. Thank you very much for the sure. honor of taking my call. Oh, go ahead. Um, Thank you. Uh, perhaps a brief history would be best. I was originally hired uh, back in February of 2016, and they issued me with an employment contract that clearly stated I had 10 days of vacation day, and I was hired to work an average of five days a week, and that was true. At the end of that year, December of 2016, my work schedule officially changed from five days a week to four. The next year, 2017, I asked for and received 10 days of vacation pay. Of 10 days of vacation. Then in August, the next year, 2018, I was informed that I must take five days of vacation in any given week. That is four days against my scheduled working days and one day of vacation on a day that I was already scheduled to have off. So that really gnawed at me and I didn't think, I thought they could get away with it and, and I just happened to stumble upon this program back in February and I called in and I spoke to Lior yep, yep. and he said, no, they can't do that. Call the Ontario Ministry of Labor, and I did, and they concurred that no, an employee, employer cannot force employees to take vacation time on a regularly scheduled day off. So I filed a formal complaint um, asking and told them that I contacted the Ontario Ministry of Labor, and they confirmed that employer cannot force their employees to take vacation time on regularly scheduled days off. They responded and sent me a letter that says, well, you now only have eight days of vacation. So it just eliminates the problem. So I filed another formal complaint letter said, well, I have this thing called an employment contract and it specifically stated that I have 10 days of vacation and not eight and that their actions constitute breach of contract. When was this, then, uh, when was this Randy, sorry. if you don't mind me asking? Um, I could jump in. The last letter I sent them on June 18th. Got it. Just recently. Um, I'm with you. Keep going. Okay, last step. June 27th, they sent me a letter, said they acknowledge that my employment contract referenced 10 days per year. However, that was due to a typographical error and faulty administration by my previous supervisor. Mm -hmm. Can they do that? No, they can't. They can't for for two reasons, uh, Randy. Number one, every employee in Ontario gets a minimum of 4%, i.e. two weeks of vacation every year. So the company actually can't give you less than two weeks vacation per year. Right, but because I'm working four days, they're arguing, that that's true, they're saying that, yes, we're giving you two weeks, but in your case, because you only work four days a week, you get eight days, not ten. I was, I was originally hired to work five days a week, but they changed me to four Fair enough. cut me back two days. Fair enough, but when you went from five days to four days a week, your vacation days didn't change, correct? You still had 10 the following year, it sounds like. The following year, but then the year after that, yeah. they realized that what they did and, and, and how they st tried to deal with it was, well, you got to take one of those days on a day you're already scheduled, day, like the day you're not working that week. Yeah, right? I mean, already scheduled. The, the reality of the situation, uh, Randy, is, is is that no, they're trying to they're, they're trying to backtrack and, and get away with something that they not only contracted to do, but that their actual actions, so the actual implicit relationship between you and your employer is that at one point in time you had 10 days of vacation. Not only is it in black and white, but you and your employer actually put that into practice over the course 
of it sounds like you know two years or so or let's say a year and a half or so so so, the first year you get prorated yeah so you know from your perspective i would say no i think you should be continue to take a hard stance on this and say no absolutely not i'm not accepting the eight days i want my 10 days and i'm considering this a breach of contract the you would have you know two options or i would say you have one option and maybe your your employer has another option in, in a case like this but certainly you you have the option to say if this is a breach of contract then i'm going to uh, you know i'm going to walk away from this and you would owe me some sort of severance we can get into the discussion of what that would look like potentially uh, and i would say off off the air, maybe it's not a conversation we want to, we want yeah. to have off the air. I, I really don't want to quit. I want to keep working. I just want them to live mm-hmm. up to their contractual obligations and obey the law. That's all I'm That's asking. That's right. And here's where the second option comes into play, which is ultimately the employer would be able to, to implement a change like this, provided they gave you reasonable notice of the change. So oh, they did not do that. They certainly didn't do that. But what I would say is moving forward, maybe you want to have a conversation with your employer and say, listen, I get it. You want eight days. I want 10. Number one, you know, could we maybe meet in the middle somewhere and agree on nine? Or is there something that they can give you that would be of equal value to the, those extra couple of days of, of vacation? And can we bump that maybe into 2020? And so give me another year's notice that that change is coming into place. You know, maybe you've already made your vacation uh, arrangements for this year. Maybe you've already uh, relied on those extra couple of days of vacation. So it would be reasonable for you to make that request. I think you have every right to take that stance, uh, Randy. I wouldn't just sit there and accept uh, the company's position. You know, quite frankly, and and uh, you know, to to be a little blunt about it, it sounds you know the typographical error part sounds like complete BS, right? They're just trying to roll back something that they already put into place. So I I wouldn't take that. If they continue to give you a hard time, Randy, I would say uh, we should have a conversation off air and we can likely help you in a situation like this. So give us a call. Okay. Uh, just follow-up question. Would it be beneficial at all to submit a formal complaint to the Interim Ministry of Labor? Um, not in a situation like this because they wouldn't necessarily be able to enforce the contract, let's say. So they'd be able to enforce your minimum entitlements um, and they wouldn't necessarily to do be able to do anything beyond that. So no, I think this is one of those situations, and there are many, uh, Randy. One of those situations where the Ministry of Labor is not going to be able to help you. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I thought this was black and white. They gave me ten. Like, see, the thing of it is, it, it is, it is in, to... it's in black and white. You said it yourself. Yeah. But when the thing of it is, when they moved me from five days a week to four days a week. My hours per day went way up from 8 to 11. So I'm working 44 hours a week. I work the same amount of hours for them, just yeah. it's compressed in four days, not not five. Yeah, so, that's like, interesting. Uh, I don't, or, you know, that, that that's full time. I, I don't know about, you know, I, I know you mentioned that, that uh, they're only providing eight days and that's the minimum because you're a four-day-per-week employee. I'm not really buying that. I, I think this situation is really problematic for the employer. As you could probably tell, Randy, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of worked up by it. Again, I don't think what they're doing is, is right. You're a full-time employee working 44 hours a week. They're trying to shortchange you on, on vacation despite what they put in the contract, despite what the Ministry of Labor says. Um, again, I, I don't think you want to just take this sitting down. I think, I think you want to keep pushing on your end and enforce the fact that that's, uh, that that's 10 weeks. Again, you have the option to either leave your employment and, and potentially obtain severance, which it sounds like you don't want to do, and that's understandable. No. I know you'd want to keep your job, and, and, and uh, you know ultimately sometimes your career is more important than any severance package, but 
again, I don't think you should take this sitting down, and and uh, I would encourage you to give us a call off air, and 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 we can get into it in a little more detail, and uh, and potentially help you out here and help straighten straighten your employer out here. Okay, what uh, what of your um, the firm? John, I'll give you the number. You could give us a call. Okay. I mean, give us a call Monday morning, or leave us a message over the weekend, uh, Randy, okay. and uh, and uh, we'd be more than happy to get back to you and, and set up a time to chat. Randy, I appreciate the call. We're gonna uh, we're gonna move on here to reach out help at employmenthour.com. Again, help at employmenthour.com and anytime one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to get a hold of Alex. Uh, anytime. We'll uh, wait for more of your phone calls. But you had one more thing before we move on here um, about the week that was. You had another case going on, right? I did, John. And, and, and actually, it, it dovetails really nicely with uh, with Randy's situation and, and his employment contract because this second scenario, and again, this is a lady I spoke with uh, just a couple of days ago, it has to do with her employment contract. And so this lady uh, had been with, uh, uh, it's actually a, a very well-known uh, grocery store or grocer, uh, national company had been with them for almost five years, about a month for, uh, shy of, of five years of employment. She was in a supervisory kind of lower management position, and um, she was 55 years of age or in her mid 50s at least. And she was let go by by her employer without cause termination, so nothing to do with her performance or conduct or anything like that. Uh, simply a, a restructuring of uh, of the department, and uh, and she was let go. And so she contacted us about her severance. She was offered four weeks of pay, one week per year of service. And she contacted us and she was kind of right off the bat resigned to the fact that she was getting four weeks. Hmm. And the reason why she had that opinion kind of right off the bat is because she had an employment contract and her employment contract said, you you know, as severance, you get your minimums under the Employment Standards Act, which is a week per year of service. So she, you know, one of the first things she said to me is, you know, I'm really just calling to make sure that what I'm getting is is right, because I know my contract says I get a week per year of service. And so I asked her for a copy of her contract. Hmm. I had a look at it. And the language in her contract about termination was not enforceable. It was poorly, it was poorly written. Um, you know, the contract would have been would have been written up four years ago. The laws changed uh, a significant amount since then, and so uh, the language in her contract with respect to termination and severance wasn't was no longer enforceable. It wasn't good enough to limit her to four weeks. And so I told her, so well, actually, you know, I know you think that you're only owed four weeks, but your contract's not enforceable. At least the termination provision is not enforceable, which means that your severance is going to be calculated not on what the Employment Standards Act says but it's calculated on your age, your position, and your years of yeah. service. And so, again, this lady was mid-50s, uh, almost five years with the company in a, in a let's say, lower management position. She was looking at something in the range of about six months of pay. And when I told her that, she was completely floored. She was completely shocked. This lady was making enough money such that the difference between a month of pay or four weeks of pay and six months of pay was something in the range of $30,000. And so when I, when I told this lady, you know, you're looking at something close to or in the range of an an additional $30,000, she was again, completely floored. Uh, And so we're going to be working with this lady to get the severance that she's owed. She's in her mid fifties. It's going to be really tough for her to find something comparable. She had a really good thing going with this company. She's really worried about how long it's going to take her to find the job. And we're going to be able to give her the time, i.e. the severance, the money, uh, to hold her over during that period. And, you know, that's going to take, you know, a matter of weeks to get her that. It's going to be relatively straightforward and, and, mm-hmm. and painless. And I wanted to mention this as an example of, 
you know, employees out there who are let go and maybe their employer mentions uh, their employment contract or they look at their own contract and see that there's termination language there, don't just assume it's enforceable. You need to get employment advice in a situation like that. Uh, otherwise, you, you run the risk of leaving tens of thousands of dollars on the table. Excellent call, my friend. We're going to take a, a short break here and come right back with uh, the topic of you need an employment lawyer when you definitely want to catch these talking points. And feel free to chime in and have your opinion, ask your questions as well. Still plenty of time. 613-521-TALK is that number. More Employment Hour on the way. News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Alex Luchafero on News Talk 580 CFRA. 534 on your Saturday afternoon. Plenty of time for you to uh, have your say, ask your questions here while Alex is here till just before 6 o'clock. Uh, employment, servants, your job, your boss, anything under that uh, rather large umbrella, feel free to bring it on. 613-521-TALK for the remainder of the show. You need an employment lawyer when? Let's get into some of these talking points, Alex. I know you want to expand on them. Uh, the first one, nice slow pitch over the plate. You should be able to knock this one out of the park. Very simple. You've been let go. Yeah, I think you can answer this one, actually. John, you've been doing this long enough, right? You're, 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 uh, you might as well be a lawyer yourself, an employment lawyer yeah. yourself. So, yeah, no, obviously, listen, being let go, being terminated, you know, having your employment terminated, whether it's without cause, with cause, whatever the scenario is, if your employment is coming to an end, that's a pretty traumatic situation in anyone's life, right? It doesn't happen often. It might happen, what, you know, hopefully it never happens, but it might happen once, twice, two or three or four times in someone's life. It's a life-changing event. You have mm -hmm. to make sure as an employee in that situation that you're financially secure for the next little while and so that you have some time uh, to find comparable employment. And comparable is the key word there. You're not going to just walk into any job having been let go. You want to find something that was comparable or, or hopefully better than your previous position. And sometimes that could take you a long time. When you are let go, chances are you're going to be offered severance as an employee that's significantly less than what you're actually owed. This is a business deal for an employer. Yep. This is a business deal for a company. They want a great deal out of the situation. They're going to obviously, typically speaking, do kind of the minimum that's required by law. Uh, but they're not going to pay you more than they have to. And if they're, they're going to have you, if they can get you to sign off on a significantly lower package than what you're actually owed, they will jump all over that. So when you are let go, when you're an, when an employee in that situation, you're sat down in a meeting, you're told that you're being let go, you're presented some sort of paperwork or offered some sort of termination package, you need to take that package, thank your employer for you know the time that you've spent with the company, go home, review the package, and call an employment lawyer immediately. Call us immediately. We will be more than happy to review that package uh, with you. There is every chance, John, that that package, that the severance offered, is less than what you're actually owed. Mm -hmm. And listen, if they make a great offer to you, and sometimes it happens that companies make good offers to employees, John, we will tell you that it's a good offer. We will give you our blessing and send you off on your merry way with a reasonable severance package. But nine out of ten times, that package is not going to be good enough. You need advice in a situation like that. Otherwise, again... And I say this all the time, you're leaving tens and tens of thousands of dollars potentially on the table. You don't want to do that. You need to give us a call uh, to make sure that that severance being offered is appropriate for your individual circumstances. If it isn't, uh, we can help you. If it is, great. Um, and so you need to call us. And quite frankly, if you don't want to call us, 
call another employment lawyer. I, I, you know, we don't really care. You need to speak with an employment lawyer when you're let go. Otherwise, the severance that you're being offered is likely not going to be good enough. End of story. You need an employment lawyer when? We'll get to more of those points. I want to move over to the uh, the phone quickly here. Got uh, Rosie hanging on the line. Good afternoon, Rosie. Thank you for your time. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Excellent. What, uh, what's your concern? Well, um, I just wanted to bring up that um, people in the retail industry have a hard time when they leave um, because they're told that they can't get um, their, that they don't get their uh, severance based on commission that they make. It's a very good good point, Rosie. Is this, uh, are you just making that point generally or is this something that you've yeah. experienced or that's just happened I, to you? I experienced it in the past. Okay. Uh, as a manager, they did not pay us overtime, which we were doing like uh, hundreds of hours of overtime. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when they let me go because uh, they they got a new um, CEO, um, they let they let all the um, the people go one one at a time, so that you couldn't do anything about it. You couldn't talk to anybody, mm-hmm. and um, we were told that. Uh, they, the severance was only based on our base salary, not on mm. our commission, yeah. which was a lot more than uh, what our base salary was. Okay. But I'm sure that the retail industry is still doing that, and uh, it would be good to get that example out there that, you know, they're, they're entitled to the commission that they make as well. Absolutely, no, and, and really appreciate the call, Rosie. You make, you make a great couple of points there. And, uh, and just to clarify for our listeners, um, so the first point that Rosie made was, was with respect to overtime pay. Um, and even if you're a manager, and this is important for employees and managers to, uh, out there to know, if you are a manager who is working overtime hours, if you're working more than 44 hours a week, um, typically speaking, you are not owed overtime pay if you are spending those overtime hours doing managerial duties. If you're not doing managerial duties during the overtime hours, if you're doing overtime hours because you have administrative work to do or you're short on staff so you're having to cover the work of, the, of typically uh, the work that staff would do on those overtime hours, even as a manager, you're going to be owed that overtime. So it's a really important point. Lots of employers get away with not paying overtime to managers who were doing non-managerial work. Um, and, and, you know, that could be tens of thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours in overtime that managers are missing out on. An extremely important point that Rosie uh, raises. The second is with respect to severance. When we're talking about severance, we're not just talking about base salary. In almost every single case, when we're talking about severance, we're talking about base salary, we're, st- we're talking about commissions, we're talking about bonuses, health benefits, uh, pension contributions, you name it. It's you, it's the entire compensation package that should be included as part of a severance package, not just base salary, not just base salary and benefits. It's the whole kit and caboodle. If you're in retail and you're making commissions, you're earning money on sales, it's, et cetera, you should have those commissions included as part of your severance package, whether it's taking some sort of average of the past year or you know equaling what you would have earned into the future. That has to be taken into consideration. Thanks very much for, for the call, Rosie. It's a great point. Uh, it's a great point to make. Um, you know, we should be talking about this more. Lots of employees yeah. in these kinds of situations simply just don't know that that's the way the law works. 
And this is pretty basic employment law stuff, John. It's, it's, it's employment law 101, as I call it. And if you don't know this, again, you're missing out on significant amounts of money. The number, by the way, to reach out when the show is over, get a hold of Alex and the team, one 821 5900 Yeah, this is something you find most often or quite often in sales, things, I mean, that entire list you went through, plus something like a car a car allowance would be included in that as well because quite often it's just their base salary, possibly their commissions that salespeople are let go with, and that's uh can be the tip of the iceberg, right? Exactly, yeah, and you, and you said it, John, we see it with salespeople uh, quite quite often, they've got a car allowance or even use of a company vehicle. If you're using right. a company vehicle and that's a taxable benefit, guess what? That's part of your compensation package. It should be included when we're talking about severance. You can you can put you can easily put a value on the use of that vehicle. We're talking about the cost of a lease, the cost of maintenance, the cost of insurance. You can do that math very very easily, and you know oftentimes that's going to be worth something like a thousand dollars a month. That's a lot of money, yeah, right. you know, especially no when we're talking about months and months of severance. That could be tens of thousands of dollars. So, uh, very very important stuff, John. You need an employment lawyer when? We'll get to a couple more of these before we take our uh, last break for the day. Your employer, this is before you get let go, your employer is building a case against you with uh, you know bad performance reviews or even reprimands for that matter, right? Yep. We, we, we say it uh, kind of time and time again, when, when your spidey senses are tingling in the workplace, yeah. John, when you get the sense that something's changed, your manager or your boss is now treating you differently, all of a sudden, you know, you might be a long service employee with, with a good record of service. You're getting written up for things that you don't feel really justify a write-up or you're getting poor performance reviews kind of out of left field, out of nowhere. Those are signs, uh, John, that your employer may be lining you up for a termination yeah. or lining you up for potentially a demotion or something like that. You need to get a heads up in a situation like, uh, like that because if you just stay silent in response to those rep- rep- reprimands or you stay silent in response to those poor performance reviews, it could potentially bite you uh, in the long run because if you know six months from now your employer demotes you or terminates you and tries to rely on that record of reprimands or that record of poor performances, you won't be able to rely on anything yourself to justify your version of events or your opinion about what exactly happened during that six-month period. So what we typically advise people in this kind of situation, where they're being reprimanded or where they're given poor performance reviews, we advise them to create their own record. Put yeah. your own version of events down in writing. It could be over email. It could be in writing by way of a kind of formal letter. Whatever the case may be, get it down on the record that you disagree with the poor performance review or you disagree with the reprimand, why you disagree with it. And you probably want to also give it some sort of positive spin uh, mm-hmm. and you know re- reassure the company that you're, you're willing to continue working and, and you know, et cetera, et cetera, com- remain committed to the company. But you need to put your version of events into writing on the record. Otherwise, you run the risk of your employer having a case against you. That might be a case for having a cause termination, which means that you would be owed zero severance. It's unlikely that that would happen, but they might be able to make that argument and give you a hard time when it comes to severance. Um, Or you might even be able to defend yourself from a termination full stop. So you might be able to save your job taking those steps. So again, extremely important that in the moment when that is happening, you reach out to an employment lawyer. You can brainstorm about what options you have, what kind of recourse you have. Um, what steps you can take to protect yourself in the circumstances. Otherwise, you run the risk of being terminated either for cause or without cause and and, uh, giving yourself a hard time uh, with respect to your employment. 
times you need an employment lawyer. We'll get to more of those points after we take uh, one final short break here. That means you still have some time to call in, ask your questions as well. We'd love to hear from you in the uh, remaining minutes of the show for this Saturday. 613-521-TALK is the number. It is the Employment Hour on News Talk 580 CFRA. Local jobs that work. Now back to the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Alex Luchafero on News Talk 580 CFRA. Yeah, you still got some time. If you have any questions, bring them on. 613-521-TALK is the number. If not, you can email anytime or after the show for that matter. It is help at employmenthour.com. And the uh, the number to get a hold of Alex when he's not doing the radio show, one 855 821-5900. But uh, the discussion so far, the remainder of the hour, you need an employment lawyer when? This one we love, and that is you've been offered a new employment contract to sign while you're working. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's it should always be a red flag for an employee, oh, yeah. John, when they're offered an employment contract while you know while they've already been working with the company you know obviously oftentimes for several years maybe maybe even tens or dozens of years uh when an employer introduces a contract of employment like that it is always 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 john going to be for their own benefit they're not offering you as an employee a contract because that contract is going to be more favorable to you uh, maybe with one exception. Maybe that exception is a promotion, right? So maybe if you're being offered a promotion, you're going to be given an offer letter or some sort of updated contract to sign. Right. Listen, you should still get advice even when it's a promotion. But you know, regardless, promotion or not, if you're being offered a contract mid-employment, you need to get advice from an employment lawyer. There is likely, and I'm inclined to say there, I could guarantee that there are going to be terms in that contract, John, that are going to be worse than the terms that you currently have as an employee. Oftentimes, employers will introduce contracts so that they can introduce termination language into their contracts. They can introduce paragraphs or provisions that limit an employee's severance entitlements. That's one of the main reasons why employers introduce these kinds of contracts. So if you're an employee being given a contract, maybe you're being given a signing bonus or maybe there's a raise that, uh, you know, your position doesn't change, but there's there's a raise being offered. Don't let that fool you. There's probably language in there that's going to make your terms of employment worse than they currently are. You need to get employment law advice in a situation like that. You need to speak with an employment lawyer. Listen, you may you might end up just signing the contract as is, right? It's not like... It's not like just because you're being offered a contract, you're going to somehow dispute it or make a a huge issue out of it. But you need to know what you're signing. You need to understand the terms that are being presented and what the repercussions could be in the future of signing off on a document like that. And hence why you need to speak with an employment lawyer in a situation like that. If you if someone does sign off on a new contract that's uh, you know slid aco- across the table at them, is it even legally binding if they're not given anything in exchange? You mentioned a signing bonus or a raise or you know a new car. Like is it <laughs> is it even legal at that point if they don't get anything for it? Yeah, great question. If they're not if they're not offered anything more than just the continuation of their employment, John. Right. So if there is no raise, if there is no signing bonus, if it's not a promotion, then you're absolutely right. There is a huge question about whether that contract is even enforceable or not, and it's almost certain that it's not enforceable, meaning if the company tried to rely on, let's say, termination language in that contract in the future, there's a very, very good argument, almost foolproof, that they wouldn't be able to enforce that contract. Again, because 
you need something more than just you continuing your employment to make that contract enforceable. It's called consideration at law. It doesn't have to be much, but it needs to be something more. Again, a signing bonus, a raise, and without that, uh, you know, that contract is, isn't worth the paper that it's written on. Yeah, they got to throw you a bone. Having said that, even it, you mentioned, you know, not worth the paper it's written on. Even if you do sign it, even if they do give you some consideration for it, it could still not be binding if it's not drafted correctly. Is that work? If the yep. word, if the language in it is not correct, it's like, sorry, guys, this doesn't pass the sniff test. If it ever came down the pike, right? That's exactly right. And and uh, going back to uh, to the second my my second uh, lady that I spoke with uh, when we were talking during the week that was segment. Yep. Again, she had a contract of employment. It was completely legitimate. There was nothing weird about it. She signed it when she started employment, so there were no issues there. She had termination language that she thought limited her severance. But when I looked at it, uh, there was it was deficient in a very obvious way. This isn't mm-hmm. complex, technical, uh, kind of one-in-a-million-shot uh, kind of legal arguments here. This is a foolproof note. This contract or this termination language isn't enforceable, which means that in that scenario, rather than being owed one month, she was owed six. Again, a huge difference. So absolutely, just because you have that contract doesn't mean the terms are, imp- are enforceable. Listen, if, you, if you're an employee right now being offered a contract of employment in 2019, your employer just presented it to you, it was likely reviewed by a lawyer very recently, that language is likely going to be enforceable. So don't don't assume that it might not be enforceable. Again, you want to get advice in a situation like that. And rather than have the argument in the future that it's somehow not enforceable, you want to yeah. tackle that issue head on right now. Uh, and hence why prior to signing a contract like that, you should be speaking with uh, with one of our lawyers. We are talking about the times you need an employment lawyer. I want to skip down to this one because this happens all the time. You've been put on a temporary layoff. This could be a whole show on its own, right? Absolutely. And for our long-time yeah. listeners, you, you guys probably already know uh, the way this works. But, but for those of you who don't, uh, temporary layoffs aren't a given in the employment relationship. It's not something that an employer automatically has the right to do. Actually, automatically, an employer is not... And I repeat, not allowed to temporarily lay you off. That's a termination. If they if they send you home and say, hey, we'll call you back in a couple of weeks' time, it's almost certain that an employer is not allowed to do that unless it's written into your contract or unless you've been laid off before. If you've been laid off before and you've accepted that layoff, well, now it's, part, it's a term of your employment, so your employer is going to be able to do it again. But in most cases, an employee is laid off for the first time they have no idea when they're being called back to work. They have no idea you know, what to do in the meantime. I guess I'll just sit at home and collect employment insurance. Yeah. And that's at that point, you absolutely have to. And again, the, you know, the segment, what I wanted to talk about today is when to contact an employment lawyer. If you're temporarily laid off, you don't wait three months or four months or five months to contact an employment lawyer. You've got to reach out to someone as soon as possible so that you can understand what your rights are and what the company's obligations are. Otherwise, you run the risk of implicitly accepting that layoff, right? If you're laid off and then you only you, you only contact an employment lawyer four months later or five months later, right? The employer might be able to argue that, well, we thought you accepted it because it was it happened four months ago. Why didn't you say anything when when it happened right. initially? So you need to reach out to someone to an employment lawyer right away when you're temporary laid off. Don't assume that a temporary layoff is okay just because the Ministry of Labor says it or just because your employer mm. says it's okay. Please, employees out there, don't assume that the companies are allowed to do that. If you are temporarily laid off, you need to give us a call. 
uh, right away. You have to understand what your rights are. It's almost certain that in a situation like that, you will be allowed to consider yourself terminated, get the appropriate amount of severance, and move on to a new job that's not going to lay you off. Plus, as you mentioned before, if you do accept it and say nothing for a few months, well, now you've cracked the door open. They can kick it wide open. Now, the next time, if there is a next time that they lay you off, quote unquote, you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Waiting in a situation like that, John, doesn't give you anything. It doesn't make your case stronger. Actually, it weakens your case as an employee. So you don't want to wait. You need to get on that right away. And listen, that stands for any employment issue. You, you know, waiting or, uh, you know, just letting it fester is not going to help you at all. You need to tackle workplace problems as soon as they occur. And oftentimes that means having to speak with an employment lawyer, getting advice on what your rights are and what the company's obligations are and taking it from there. Good show for uh, this week, my friend. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it for there. You want to get a hold of Alex or Lior. In the meantime, it's one 821 5900 Encouraging you to reach out and at least make that phone call. You want to drop an email, that is simple. It's simply help at employmenthour.com. And if you're ever wondering what your severance should be, even before the phone call to Alex, severancepaycalculator.com. Till next time, this has been the Employment Hour right here. It's News Talk 580 CFRA.